0: This is Dialogue with Dragan Daboo. My name is Emma Drake.
1: And I am Sweta Daboo. This is the podcast where we talk about all things policy and politics.
0: It is now time for the third and last installment of our Lead Up to the Legislature series. Yes, this episode is earlier than usual, but we wanted to make sure all the details got to you folks in advance of the tabling of the capital budget. Today, we are chatting about not only the capital budget, but COVID-19 recovery, income tax, and the resilience of Islanders.
1: Our guest today is the PC MLA for D4 Belfast Murray River, Deputy Premier and Minister of Finance, as well as curling enthusiast, Darlene Compton. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, our first question for you is an important one. How are you?
2: I, I'm good. I'm good. It's it's a, it's still a strange time, but, uh, you know, overall, we've done very well here on PEI, and I think that that's, uh, we have Islanders to thank for that, and I think it, uh, you know, we've made some tough decisions early on, but it's really paid off, so I think things are pretty good.
0: Most certainly, and, and we're looking good going into the fall and, and hopefully the winter months as well. Now we're going to jump into one of our four topics for today. As listeners know, uh, with our legislature series, we're looking at four different areas with each of our special guests. So our first one is an act to amend the Income Tax Act. In spring 2021-2022 provincial budget, changes to the Income Tax Act were introduced. These would raise the basic personal exemption to $11,250, increasing the low income threshold to $20,000 and reduce the small business tax to 1%. Minister, the first question on this is, what motivated these
2: amendments to the Income Tax Act? Well, our government continues to to um, work to put more money back in, in the pockets of Islanders. And, and it was part of our platform commitment during the election. And uh, you know, I'm very pleased to say that we are moving forward with that. And uh, not only for for uh, everyday Islanders, but for all small businesses and, and lowering the small business uh, rate to 1% makes it the lowest in Atlantic uh, Canada. So I think it really gives us a, a competitive edge
0: for sure and these changes will be in effect as of January 2022. What do you expect some of the impacts will be with these
2: amendments? Well first of all it'll um it will put more money in the pockets of Islanders. I think it will encourage people to to spend more locally which they have been doing throughout the pandemic and uh you know will continue to do so and I think it gives uh Small business the opportunity to expand and grow, uh, you know, with the confidence that the that the province and the government are behind them with what they do, and and uh, you know it's been it's been proven and shown that when small business uh, are able to make a little bit more money, they they return return it to their business really.
1: And thank you for that. We'll be chatting a little bit more about small businesses later on um, in this interview. Uh, But before that, we wanted to talk a little bit about COVID-19 recovery, which is our second theme for today. Um, On September 28th, of course, uh, the government released the COVID-19 recovery plan, which was entitled Renew PEI. Um, As folks will know by now, this report um, includes recommendations from various stakeholders including the premier's council on recovery and growth uh, the community the community sector and other members of the public now as deputy premier and minister of finance what was your involvement like in this process
2: well the um our department worked very closely with uh with the premier's office it was really the it was really the premier's baby like he really he really drove this and and his office but um we worked very collaboratively with all the departments in government and we'll all be involved in, in how we move this forward. And we look forward to working with islanders to ensure that, uh, you know, we can bring the economy back to where it was pre-COVID and to increase, you know, bring it, bring it back better, I guess is the way to put it. So mm-hmm. um, you know, we really uh there's always a collaboration within government, especially when there's a new program comes forward. And, and this one is no different. hmm
1: And, you know, looking at collaboration and and looking at hearing from Islanders, especially um, this report comes um, after a year and a half now of the pandemic over this trying time. What have you been hearing about on the ground from Islanders as to the major challenges they face, um, as well as forms of support that they require? Uh,
2: Well, Islanders, I think, are really pleased with with where we are uh, through COVID and. you know, it's our work to, it's our job as MLAs to work with our constituents to make sure that we're listening to what they have to say. Uh, you know, moving forward, the agenda for your for your district, but not only your district, for the but for the island. And I think uh, you know, they're very pleased. Many island businesses have done very well through the through the uh, pandemic, and it is because islanders uh, are supporting islanders. And and you know, we, we very early on talked about you know supporting local and Islanders really have done that. So I think um, throughout the, with with the report and with uh, our plan for recovery, that's still, we want Islanders to continue to do that. And we want to work with small business to ensure that uh, we can do what what we can for them, that they have the tools in place to to grow and, and be more successful.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you make a good point about Islanders supporting Islanders, but also about government providing the supports, you know, where it is required. Um, The most commonly cited recommendation in the Renew PEI report um, involves a basic income guarantee. In early October, of course, the government announced a form of social assistance that's based on the basic income principle. And this was announced by Minister Trigger's. Uh, should this pilot project prove to be successful, are there plans for a more widespread form of basic income to be implemented on PEI?
2: Well, um, I'll say it is a pilot project. You know, it was meant to, to be uh, something that we could try and, uh, you know, kind of gauge how well it worked, what the impacts are for both Islanders and uh, and for government, too, Um we'll we'll take the the data that we received through this through this pilot project and definitely look at it and see how we could make it a more widespread form uh you know it was it was it was really implemented to to get the results on uh the information and to see what we can do in the for, in the future i think our goal remains the same that anything down the road would certainly need to involve the federal government as a partner we just couldn't do it on our own as a province but um you know i I think it's important that we we do the research and we have this pilot project in place so that we see what the the pros and cons are i guess you'd say
0: yes and a big piece around any pilot project is that data piece right you know making informed decisions based on that so i'm looking forward to seeing what that uh, rolls out and what support uh, islanders will be getting from that Now on to our next section, as Sweta mentioned before, we're going to switch gears to small business and looking at Islander resilience. So in July, you gave an interview with CBC specifically focusing on small businesses. You said in this interview that local businesses were one of the strongest economic areas on PEI throughout the pandemic. What role do you feel small local businesses play in PEI's economy as a whole?
2: Well, they they play a, a very important, very a massive role in contributing to our, our economy. Uh, before the pandemic, we were in a really good place. Um, I uh, have to say, you know, meeting uh, virtually with my federal and provincial counterparts for for finance, um, it it uh, I want to say was sometimes embarrassing <laughs> because you know, I would say, well, things are pretty good here on PEI. You know, we, we responded fairly quickly. A number of the programs that we had initiated early on through the pandemic, um, other provinces were doing like a year, a year later. And, you know, we had already initiated the program and, and, you know, rolled it out and had already basically uh, been done with it. But um, small business, like, the innovation and the entrepreneurial spirit spirit of small business on PEI is amazing, and they really are the lifeblood blood of our communities. And um, I mean, I live and grew up in a rural community, and uh, every one of those businesses stepped forward, um, you know, remained open, made sure, you know, took delivered groceries, um, took on, um, you know, kind of pivoted as the I guess the, the one of those buzzwords we used, pivoted to see how. How, uh, how they could change and really respond to Islanders. So, uh, you know, there has been a influx of visitors more this summer. And, uh, you know, I think that that really has added to the success of small business during the pandemic. But um, when we look across the country, you know, we're in a pretty desirable place, uh, because of the health restrictions that were put in place. They have worked. Um, Islanders have been amazing. And our businesses have been able to take advantage of programs that have been offered through the government, both provincially and federally. So um, small businesses plays a huge role in uh, in the economy of Prince Edward Island for sure. Yes and I
0: bet it's a pretty good feeling to walk into some of those um you know cross provincial meetings and and PEI feeling like okay heck yeah we're doing not too bad here in
2: comparison this is good <laughs> I yeah. know that that would be a pretty good feeling <laughs> it, it it's it's really is an amazing feeling and and uh I think we are the envy of the country really as far as uh, how we how we've uh, handled covid I mean we are very lucky we're an island jurisdiction so that makes it a little easier but there were tough decisions made early on that some people weren't happy with. And, and, you know, now they're thanking us for doing it. So, um, you know, it, it is not easy to, to tell uh, people, you know, you can't, uh, you can't travel, you can't uh, go anywhere, you, you know, stay at home. And, and, uh, but I, overall I think Islanders are pretty happy with where we're at.
0: Yes, no doubt. I I know we kind of mentioned it earlier before we jumped into the interview, but uh, PEI having that kind of early intervention and very clear uh, guidelines from the get-go I think is uh, something uh, to be very thankful for, no doubt. In that same interview, Minister, you also talked about some of the challenges faced by the most vulnerable populations on PEI, such as minimum wage workers. In addition, we know that PEI in several regions across Canada are going through a labor shortage right now. Numerous advocates say this is due to the increasing difficulty of making ends meet on minimum wage salary. What are some measures being looked at by government right now that ensures businesses are able to find employees for their positions?
2: Yeah, that's I think one of the biggest challenges we have right now in Prince Edward Island and really across the country. we just have a labor shortage. There's there's no two ways about it. And it was certainly uh, emphasized uh, during the pandemic and continues to, to be emphasized. Um, I think the first thing is we need to ensure that workers feel safe at work um, through this pandemic and that, um, you know, we've achieved that by putting supports in place uh, to help Islanders, to help both the workers and the employers, um, our public health restrictions, uh, we put in place for a good reason. It's to keep Islanders safe, but, um, the shortage of workers is, uh, a real concern, um, minimum wage and up. I mean, you know, uh, I would say even, you know, quote unquote, good paying jobs, uh, employers cannot find employees. So, um, increasing the minimum wage is just one tool in the toolbox to, to try and help with that. Um, we've also, um, we're working on programs to ensure that people can uh, move from one career to another and help with training with that so that it's maybe a career that's not so impacted by the pandemic. But um, overall, there just there is a shortage and we need to ensure that we we look at the big picture and um, we need to ensure that we have immigrants coming. We need uh, to look at housing because uh, we have a shortage of that. uh, healthcare care, uh, education, they're all impacted by the fact that we need a, a, a bigger population. So I, I think that's that's really the, the key here. But, um, you know, throughout the pandemic, um, there were a list of programs available for both uh, employees and uh, employers, I think over 40 programs. So, you know, we, we did what we could in the short term to try and ensure that uh, um, businesses were not impacted by this.
0: Absolutely and and particularly on the topic around um, safety for the workplace for both the businesses but as well the employees. Uh, There was a lot of conversation throughout COVID-19 and still today uh, around the need to self-isolate should someone have been exposed to COVID. Uh, For minimum wage folks this is particularly hard because they usually can't afford to lose a shift's pay Mm -hmm. One particular solution is paid sick leave. Is this something government is currently considering? If not, what are some other measures that are being looked into?
2: Uh, it's it's uh, interesting that you asked that question, Emma, because it was actually brought up in the legislature uh, since since we started this fall. And I'll I'll I guess reiterate what the uh, Minister of Economic Growth and Tourism uh, and Culture said, and it was the. COVID-19 Special Leave Fund exists for workers and self-employed people who are unable to work due to illness. The fund uh, reimburses employers and or self-employed people who do not have access to sick leave to offer employees who miss time. So it's there, we were already doing it. We have a million dollar fund set up. Um, The program was available starting March 1st, Um, there to help uh, support workers and and employers. And uh, as my colleague stated, uh, the program is meant to keep us going through the pandemic, and the topic is something that government is going to look at after the pandemic uh, to look at a more robust option moving forward. But it is there in the immediate um, time, I guess, to to make sure that that uh, employees are covered, and uh, we're very we're very happy that we have done that because I think it does make a huge difference when you're deciding do I go to work or not
0: for sure and 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 as you say um you know both i think in the immediate term with COVID, but then also kind of moving forward what could that look like based on this initiative so really looking forward to that now one last question on the islander resiliency uh portfolio don't worry we're we're trucking through here (laughs) Um, one of the uh, last items we wanted to ask you about minister is the the livable wage Um, which has been a conversation on PEI for the last number of years and specifically was one of the recommendations of the Special Committee on Poverty's report last fall. Now, for Charlottetown, this value has been determined at $19.30 an hour.
2: What are your thoughts on an initiative such as a livable wage? Um... It's definitely something we've we've discussed. Um uh, it, it would fall under social development and housing. And I know the minister is is in discussion all the time with with what that would look like. And um, you know, I guess uh there's no one size fits all approach to this. Um I know um social development housing and economic growth and tourism will continue to look at that. Um and I, you know, I guess I I look to their departments to to make the decision. I know um one uh, concern I would have, having worked in a small business uh, before, was, you know, if you make the livable wage $19.30 an hour, what how does that impact the people that are now making that amount and increasing their wage and increasing the, you know, so it it's um, a trickle-up effect, I guess I would say, because uh, once you um, increase the minimum wage, then all of the other wages have to uh, be increased as well, and that really impacts Uh, any business as far as, you know, viability. So again, uh, as Minister of Finance, I'll work with the departments, but it would really be uh, in the social development housing shops. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, thank you so much for that answer. And and you're right, there's a lot of considerations here. But you know, when we're talking to the Minister of Finance, we do have to touch uh, on our last topic for today, (laughs) which is the capital budget. Um, Now, the fall sitting is often defined by the capital budget, much like the spring is by the operating budget. Um, Just for our listeners, can you tell us what is the capital budget and how does it differ from the operating budget?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Sweta, and I'm really happy to be here to explain it. And uh, I hope this uh, broadcast is heard far and wide because I feel, people don't understand uh, the difference. And to make it even more confusing, within the next week or so, we're going to have the capital budget, we're going to have the public accounts, the blue books, and we're also mm-hmm. gonna have the fiscal update. So I, I think between all three of those people will be totally confused. But um, <laughs> the um, the capital budget uh, comes in the fall. It is um, the budget, where it gives government the ability to spend for government infrastructure and projects such as roads and bridges and public buildings and equipment. So um, differs from the operating budget, which is the budget in the spring, which provides the funds to keep all the departments operating and all the grants and all the um, uh, wage subsidies for for -for not-for-profits and small business. So it's totally different. It's a plan, um, a long-term plan. It's over five years. And, uh, you know, again, all departments come together with their, I say, their wants, needs, and asks. <laughs> and uh, through um, my department and each department in government, we uh, we sit down. It, it, it's not a short conversation. It, it does take quite a while. But, um, uh it's looked at in a five-year window and you know what big projects do we have coming forward that really need to be done and what are the pressures on government to to have that happen so it is a five-year plan and it is for government uh, owned i would say infrastructure and uh projects
1: mm-hmm. and, and you talked about what are some priorities for government you know what pressures are there and what are these key priorities now how uh, is that determined? Who does government typically consult with in the development of this budget? And what are some key considerations that go in?
2: So, yes, I mentioned uh, it's a collaboration between my fiscal or our fiscal management team um, and with all the departments, and they're there to identify and allocate the capital projects. Uh, it's a process that, process that um, we go through kind of internally. It's uh, there's not... Uh, collaboration with the public for, for operational, uh, uh, sorry, for, for, uh, capital, the way there is for operational, it's more, um, the department's coming together to say, we need a new school or we need electric school buses, or we need, um, you know, to fix a bridge. So, um, it's the pressures I think that are on each government department to improve the infrastructure that, uh, is their responsibility.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, we know that you can't tell us specifically what's coming in the budget uh, until it's presented in the Legislative Assembly, but what are some key themes that Islanders can expect to see prioritized uh, this fall?
2: Well, uh, I cannot share with you what's <laughs> going to be in the capital budget, but uh, I I don't think anyone would be surprised. There is uh, significant investment into some really familiar areas that come up a lot in the Legislative legislature discussions um everything we do is for the betterment of islanders uh and the capital budget allows us to invest in the future of islanders through uh you know needed infrastructure and uh you know we um we do collaborate with we we receive consultation letters from the opposition as well as the third party they submit their requests and proposals and projects and ideas so we do do we do internal collaboration i guess within government but um the capital budget uh yeah i can't really share with you what's going to be in it uh but uh you know i don't think any of it would be a surprise for those who are following along um you know the topics announced you know you've you've heard them all before uh because we do listen to islanders and at the end of the day we're, we are here for islanders so uh yeah mm-hmm. stay tuned um probably next week and uh it's um, uh it's always interesting to see um I think what the long-term plan looks like and what the uh, priorities are of, of infrastructure and uh, you know needs of help.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now we have one last question for you as part of kind of our uh, formal interview segment. Um, earlier on, you mentioned the blue books and the fiscal update. Uh, can you explain to Islanders what this is and what they can expect from it?
2: Sure. Uh, so the blue books are uh the public accounts for the previous uh operating budget uh so it would it'll it's after it's gone uh the 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 books have gone to the auditor general and uh, it's it's kind of the final uh, statement on that particular year so um you know throughout the uh operating budget and uh, when it's brought forward, it's a forecast, you know, you really don't know until the the year has ended, and uh, the books have been closed, then it does go to the Auditor General. And so it is the final, um, the final numbers for that particular year. So th- those and there it's a blue covered book. So they're called the blue books, but it is uh, public accounts for that particular year. And the fiscal update is just, uh, uh, it's done... Uh, we look at different quarters so that will be the fall fiscal update and where we are so far within this current year so a lot of uh information there'll be a lot of numbers <laughs> a lot of statistics for people and i think uh having all three happen in a very short period of time makes it even more confusing but um it's uh <laughs> makes, and makes and i think it makes it uh you know more stressful for some departments <laughs> including finance but uh you know my department has been working very diligently to ensure that we we meet the promises we have met uh, and made and uh, one of them, is, um last year the the blue books were uh delayed because of covid so we're happy to say that we are back on track there. um uh the the due date let's say is october 29th so uh we're happy to say we're on track for for having them in honor before that date so that that's a good thing and um again the fall sitting legislature has been uh brought forward <laughs> it used to be after after um remembrance day so that also impacts the capital budget uh it has to be done earlier so mm-hmm. a lot of uh just a lot of demands i guess would say for for the finance department and all departments because they have to have their uh you know their their uh, uh statements and their wants in earlier so um yeah it's it's going to be Uh, busy couple, it has been a really busy uh, fall, but it's going to be a busy couple of weeks in legislature for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. I I can already see all the numbers, people getting excited for this and for the number of (laughs) updates that are coming forward. I feel like there's there's always a segment of the population that's looking forward to the numbers crunching. So we'll keep an eye out for that as well. Um, This concludes the formal part of our interview, but after this is kind of our most serious segment. Uh, that we call the beer panel. Now, uh, typically, we started out recommending beers, but over the last year or so, it's taken on a life of its own uh, with folks recommending recipes, restaurants, really anything. You know, as our special guest today, Minister, what would you like to recommend to our listeners?
2: Well, I think we've all been uh, discovering local hangouts and places to go. And uh, I've got Lots of wonderful restaurants in my district, um, uh, but one I think I'll highlight is the Country Cafe, which is owned by uh, you know Dave and Rose Vienna. Who are uh, it's it's very uh, let me see. I'm very happy to have it because I drive by every day. I go to Charlottetown, so and they're open in the morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really good for uh, not good for my waistline, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they have a wonderful new cafe, a beautiful bakery there, and they supply the baked goods at Riverview Market, because they're also owners there. And uh, they have corn maze, which is kind of exper- experiential uh, farming. Um, very, very hard workers in the district. Uh, the whole family's involved, and uh, it's just a great new spot in the district uh, that happens to be on my way to work. And, uh, yeah, that's one place that that I really do love. Um yeah it's i've been definitely sticking closer to home, i think, as we all have during this pandemic so yes. uh you know what do i and i i like like to garden i've got some flower beds I'm working on those right now i've um my daughter's getting married here at our farm next august oh, so wow. um, <laughs> I'm trying to get ready for that but uh it's definitely staying closer to home but uh, yeah, uh as far as places to stay or to go to in the district, that's one that I'm gonna highlight because it's a newer business for sure. And uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I remember when Country Cafe opened, you know, earlier this year and, you know, it looks so beautiful in there and it's right next to the corn maze. So really a really cool spot. Uh, now we're gonna to go to our agent on the ground in Ontario. Uh, and <laughs> what's your recommendation? Uh, live reporting here uh, in the field. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm going
0: to actually uh, maybe repeat, uh, Minister, one of your recommendations. I thought I was going to be savvy and pick one that was in your district, but uh, <laughs> it turns out you you caught me. But um, I wanted to highlight the, the Belfast maze, also known as the Chuckwagon Maze, yeah. as you mentioned. Um, they're just, they're doing crazy stuff out there. Every year you go out and it's like they've added new food or a new jungle gym or the maze is somehow harder than the year before. It is it is a real interesting experience um, but definitely recommend even if you've been before to go back as I say it changes every year I'm seeing here they have pizza now from Furious Franks Um, it looks delicious um, as well they're open uh, Saturdays and Sundays I believe it says here uh, from noon to 6 so uh, it's that time of year around uh, you know the fall to be out and enjoy the good weather while we can and it's just they're doing great stuff out there and and wanted to highlight them and encourage folks to go check it out if they've been before if they've never been it's definitely somewhere to see and
2: pei in the fall
1: mm-hmm. yeah but
2: awesome. thanks thanks emma that's great to hear i i often say i don't know if rose and dave ever sleep because uh they just <laughs> never stop with new ideas and uh, you need to check out the bakery it's a beautiful little cafe and uh uh If you can't make it out, then go to Riverview Market because they have uh, the baked goods there and and, uh, just a new business in the area. And especially during COVID, I mean, you've got to give them kudos for for stepping up and doing that. It's really amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, When Emma moved to Ontario, I remember thinking, oh great, we won't have the same recommendations now. Um, And then I was thinking of the Cormais and she said the Cormais, so I feel like I can't repeat that now. But, you know, instead, I'm going to go further east and talk about uh, Bogside, which I tried one of their newer beers recently. It's called the Tropical Storm. It's an IPA. Um, It's got a really funky looking can. That's why I bought it in the first place. It's got some sort of fruit wearing sunglasses caught in a tornado. Um, And, you know, I, I don't know, I think it's grapes, but I can't identify it. Um, It's a fairly strong IPA, but it tastes as funky as it looks. And it's a really fun beer, um, especially, you know, as you watch the leaves fall uh, this autumn. So that's my recommendation for today. Um, I guess this brings us to the end of our episode today. Thank you again so much, Minister, for joining us um, and chatting with us about everything from the fall sitting to the corn maze.
2: My, my pleasure uh, it's great to see both of you i'm sorry i couldn't uh be on video uh but it's it is great to touch base um i was happy to able be able to try and uh i guess explain the difference between the capital budget and uh, the operating budget and and all the numbers that we put forward in government but uh i look forward to the rest of the fall sitting and i look forward to um, my budget speech uh next week and uh being there for Islanders for, for, for whatever they need. And I think, uh, you know, I want to thank Islanders for all the work that they do.
1: That's awesome.
0: Definitely. And it's, it's not every day that we get to talk to the deputy premier as well as minister of finance. So thank you so much minister for your time this morning. It's uh it's definitely a treat to be able to listen and learn from you.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Uh yeah, Take care. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye-bye. And that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you so much to Minister Compton for joining us. Now, if you like the music you
0: hear at the beginning and the end of every Dialogue episode, that is Mr. Shane Pendergast, and that is his song, Gaspé-Z. If you're looking to pick up some of his music, you can find that at shanependergast.com or find it through Spotify or Apple Music. Stay warm, stay safe. This has been Dialogue.